0: What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck and Chronicles here for another episode. And, hey guys, I'm super excited about this one. Um, we'll jump into the main meat of the podcast here in a minute. I got my good buddy Hunter from Iowa. Gonna have to come up with a, a better name or title for him. I say that every time, but um, jumping on the podcast with me. And um, we get a little controversial on some of our. Uh, on our takes today, so nothing new on the Duck podcast, I guess, Uh, but uh, it's definitely a good one. It's definitely a fun one, so I'm excited to get a long overdue episode out to you guys, Um, but I do want to remind you, if you haven't listened to the Armistice Day podcast, which is the most recent one I released, Super proud of, of what I was able to put together on my first attempt at a documentary style podcast. I know I got a lot of good feedback from people. So if you haven't listened to it, man, um you definitely need to take the time and jump over there and give her a listen. It was a, it was it was pretty cool. So uh in my in my biased opinion. But um on to this season, man. Uh some some updates, man. It's been a, it's been a slow drag of season since we got started. Um, you know, uh it's just been it's been a tough season. We did have a good opener hunt. Um but after that, man, we had that cold front run through uh push through and a lot of our local birds have pushed out. So uh, it just was a lot of nickel and diamond on little hunts here and there, but like I just couldn't haven't put together um any great hunts this, this season. So I, that's just part of it. You know, something Elliot uh and me used to talk about would be It just seems like you're going to have one crappy month out of the year, and this has definitely been the crappy one. So since now we got some weather, we got some cold, I'm hoping that that means that that bodes well for um, the rest of the season coming in. Hopefully I can finish strong um, on some mallards and then do great in the late season goose. Um, We do have our 12 days of Christmas coming up on the YouTube channel that I did last year, doing it again this year. Um so I did save up some videos for that to post. Um so it's about to get crazy over on the YouTube channel and every week I'll be giving away some cool items from our partners of the, the podcast and YouTube channel. So definitely if you're not over there on Duck and Chronicles, you should be because that's where all that, that cool stuff is gonna be gonna be happening. So, uh, let's get a quick word from our partners and we'll get Hunter on again and we'll jump on into the main, meet the podcast. First off, I'd like to give a big thanks to final approach. Guys, final approach. This is the last day for their black Friday sale, uh, 40% off waiters and apparel or waiter, waiters and clothing. Um, so if you need the new waiters, they got the, the full zip in the front, man, those are awesome. If you need, uh, the grid hoodie, if you need the, the, um, the puffy jacket. Those are some of my favorite pieces. All those you can use the code DuckGunBF Black Friday DuckGunBF over there and get forty percent off. So that's a great Black Friday deal on all that stuff. So if you're a last minute shopper like me, um, maybe you need it for a buddy. Maybe you need to send this uh, code over to your wife and get it, or wife, or girlfriend, or mom, or dad, or whoever it is, and and get on it, guys, because this is a great deal to get some. Some of that duck hunting gear that you definitely need over there at Final Approach. Also like to give a fi- rerun that one. Also like to big. Be- also like to give a big thanks to Weatherby guys. Weatherby makes some awesome shotguns. They make the Element. They make um, the the side by side. That's been my new favorite this year. Uh, they have the um, Deluxe eighteen I and the re- the regular eighteen I over there. Um, and I'll actually be giving away an Element. Um, a Weatherby element shotgun to a lucky winner this year for my 12 days of Christmas. So, uh, definitely, definitely check those guys out. If you're in the market for a waterfall shotgun, um, you don't want to look past Weatherby because they're making some great options for the duck hunter. Also like to give a big thanks to Onyx. Guys, Onyx is the one-stop shop, the one-stop shop, man. My brain's not with it tonight. On X is the best waterfowl app out there. Um, it has the um, it has the landowner stuff. You can knock on doors, get permission. I've actually got some new permissions this year. Again, doing that um, using On X is just an awesome tool. You can go right to their tax address um, and get it nailed down. I have I have my process just down to a T. Um, I think I in my area I'm probably more successful than most people at getting. Um, permission on new spots and onyx is a uh, a huge help in that so check them out guys over there at onyx i also like to give a big thanks to motion Ducks. motion Ducks, they are the jerk rig on steroids these no wind days um especially here coming in late season you want to run spreaders um, and you want to run motions, motion and ripples in your set. I've actually been running the, the regular spreader. Um, and you can run the ultimate or you can run the regular, but I've been running two regulars on my jerk rig. Um, just as like a different look this year. I know some people run two ultimates on the same jerk rig. There's just a, a ton of different ways to do it, but I'm a huge fan of having this added motion. And for me, is a non-negotiable in my set to not have a motion duck. So check them out guys. You definitely need to use them. Um, you can go to motion ducks.com slash duck gun and use the code as well. Um, over there, duck gun. Um, and I believe it's duck gun 10 actually. Um, and that'll get your best discount. Use those combined and you're going to get, uh, your best discount. guys, you definitely, definitely, I can't say it enough. You need to be running the motion ducks in your decoys. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get um, our buddy Hunter over here uh, on the podcast and we'll jump right into it. What's going on, folks? I'm back here with Hunter and we are going to go over our five overrated duck hunting items and five underrated duck hunting items in no particular order. At least I didn't put mine in like order from great to least. It's just in order of what I thought of. So how are you doing today, Hunter? Mm -hmm.
1: I'm doing good. And I really didn't put anything in order with the exception of like the last underrated thing. That one's definitely like the, like, in my opinion, the most underrated duck hunting
0: equipment. Yeah.
1: Or, so.
0: Right. So are, are all these serious? You got any troll ones or.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think the a lot of the overrated ones are a little bit troll, but right. you know, the uh, underrated ones I think are pretty like, honestly, pretty good tips, pretty good like things that I think if you don't do them, you're, you're, you're missing you're missing out on opportunity.
0: Right. Right. Well, I think I got, I got a few in there that are a little trolly, but honestly, I, you know, when you, when you take a stand on some of these things, you hope it doesn't come back to haunt you kind of like Elliot and wood ducks. Yeah. Just getting pummeled by the internet for weeks. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, but when you, you come out here and take a, you know, a stand one way or the other, you're bound to have people, uh, disagreeing with you and if you don't have pe- people disagreeing with you you probably aren't having strong enough takes so um, <laughs> right so let's 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 jump right into it so i think let's go every other um okay. and every other will go overrated than underrated so first thing i got that is overrated is three and a half inch shells 100 percent overrated um you know honestly if we we talk about shells and bismuth um or or just regular steel shells as well. You know, three inch, like number fives for ducks. Um, two and three quarter inch number fives, bismuth probably number fours for steel. Um, you know, those are definitely well enough, patent great, and have been killing ducks for a long time. You know, I, you hear people every once in a while say, "Well, why do you shoot three and a half inch shells?" Well, it's because they don't sh- they don't make four inch shells. I'm like, okay, it's just like. <laughs> at some point is diminishing returns. And and I feel like going up to three and a half inches, uh, there's other points where you kind of lose something where it's more kick. You're not getting on the second bird as quick um, and three inch or two and three quarter, especially with bismuth um, is very sufficient to uh, down ducks. Would you, would you Uh agree or disagree with the take?
1: Oh, I definitely agree. And actually uh, as you know, in the past, I I actually did gunsmithing for a number of years and I cut apart I think it was 20 different boxes of shells and I bought like boxes of shells from the same manufacturer that were both three and three and a half and then cut them apart, weighed the shot, weighed the powder and counted the pellets. And you know what you got with three and a half inch shells? I'm sure this might irk some people. You got another half inch of wad. That's all you really ended up with. And actually a lot of them use the exact same wad. They just put a wad spacer on the bottom side of the wad and then try mm-hmm. to another 20% more for the box.
0: So there was no difference in number of BBs in there?
1: Um, on most of them, there wasn't on some, there was, uh, now to be clear, you can get higher, uh, like weight counts, you know, like your ounce and five eights, you know, that kind of like, you can get higher ounce loads in three and a half inch, but you know, your difference is, you know, 10%. It's pretty minimal. So right. yeah. Yeah. You it know, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to, in my opinion, to go with three and a half inch shells.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's my experience without actually cracking the numbers like you did. Um, just mm-hmm. like from Phil. It's like, you know, with with uh Bismuth shooting two and three quarters or three inch um still, you know, I've never felt like I was underpowered um knocking down birds with that. I felt you know, pretty good. And then you're so much quicker getting on that second shot on that second bird that I almost feel like that's your big advantage right there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I could agree with that. And I mean, you're not you're Three and a half inch shell isn't shooting any further than a three inch shell because you're limited by like the mass of your pellets, right? Like the BB right. can only have so much energy. And whether it's in a three and a half inch gun or a three inch gun, it's having the same amount of energy. So, right. you're not really, you, I don't know what you're getting by it, I guess, in my opinion. So, I'd agree with yeah. you. Okay, cool. All right. So, I'm going to go on the flip side for overrated, and that is sub gauges. I think sub gauges are very, extremely overrated. So three and a half inch shells are overrated. Sub-gages are overrated.
0: (laughs) Sure, sure. I would agree to some extent. But I'll let you go. I don't know if you want to elaborate more on that or if that's kind of just you just want to make the statement.
1: Well, I think it's kind of the elaboration is that, like, for most people in most situations, sub-gages are, like, they're not – they're adding unnecessary, like, complications to a hunt. I think is the best way to say that. Maybe it's not precise, but – yeah, For most people in most situations, I think that sub-gages are not the call. They're not the plan.
0: Right, right. So would you consider, is a 20-gauge a sub-gauge?
1: No. I, honestly, I don't think 20-gauge would be a sub-gauge. I think mm-hmm. that 28, 410, those would all be sub. So I you're talking like the, there...
0: the micro-sub-gauge kind of yeah.
1: thing? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, so like, the far end. Yeah, because like 20, in my opinion, like 20, 16, 12 are all lethal to generally the same amount, right? Like, obviously, 20 is a little bit less than 12, but like, once you drop below a 20, the drop off is so severe that it's unrecoverable, in my opinion.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, you know, you see all these people dropping down to like 410 and 28 gauge. It's like they're purposely handicapping themselves um, to make the hunt more exciting. And, uh, you know, like, like it's, you know it's yeah, it's definitely a thing to to make it more challenging, because it must be duck hunting's just so easy in your area already. you're tired of <laughs> shooting limits, um, that you've got to add like uh, unnecessary <laughs> challenges <laughs> to your hunt, right to make it to give you that same excitement that you had you know years mm-hmm. ago hunting with like a 12 gauge or whatever. Uh, my yeah. only thing would would say I actually had 20 gauges as one of my underrated items. And and the thing is, we we talked about it a little bit with the shells. How how like the actual BBs not going any slower. Like you're not losing lethality. You're just gonna have um less BBs in your pattern. So for me, shooting a twenty gauge man, I've always been a fan of shooting a twenty gauge. That's what I my first gun that I was really successful with was my grandpa's twenty gauge um, Browning A five. You know, just a classic waterfowl shotgun. Um, and, you know, even now I shoot the Weatherby 18i. I have the 12-gauge and the 20-gauge. My preference is the 20-gauge. I don't know why, but I just like shooting a 20-gauge, and I've never felt undergun shooting, like, 3-inch um, shells out of a 20-gun compared to, you know, people sitting right next to me with a 12-gauge. So, you know, maybe sometimes I'll be more likely on, like, a goose hunt, but especially, like, on a duck hunt, shooting number fours, bismuth out of a 20-gauge. Yeah, it's it's money in the bank, in my opinion. So, uh, but you know, yeah, if people want to have fun with their tiny sub gauges, you know, more power to them. But I do think it's overrated. <laughs> it Doesn't yeah, not I, it does not appeal to me um, to do it. I think they're made for youth hunters and getting people into it. Maybe women, um, definitely not men.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I just like I said. I think that they're generally speaking overrated for. The average hunter and the average situation—they're definitely not, in my opinion, not the not the right call.
0: Right, right.
1: So, so you said that your underrated thing is twenty gauges.
0: Yeah, that was yeah. One of my yeah. underrated items was twenty gauge. So um, yeah, I'm am a big twenty gauge fan. I love I love shooting the twenty gauge.
1: Yeah, and then like honestly, everybody I hunt with—that's not you—I'll use twelves. Right, like you're the first person that I really hunt with on a, a semi regular basis that uses a twenty. And I've never really noticed you being like uh out outgunned, I guess is the best way to say that, by us with twelves. Like right. you know, if yeah. a group of birds probably the gun, opposite. It's, <laughs> <laughs> if it's a spinner, I guess. But for those that know. But um yeah, I I'd I'd I i, I do not know if I'd say they're under under like hyped, but they're somewhere in there.
0: I do I do feel like they're under because it's just like you said, everybody that you hunt hunt with hunts with a, a twelve. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, and I'm saying, Hey, if you try a 20 and I don't know what it is, if it's just people like, Oh, I want to go with the most reasonable large shotgun because it's like, well, why not a 10 gauge? There's, I think there's just diminishing returns at some point. So if, if it's like just that, it's like the right size and right kick for like the average human being, is that what, like, is that why it's so popular, like more popular than the 10 gauge? You know, because by all the, you know, by all the thoughts about lethality, more BBs, all that kind of stuff. um, And, well, with a 10-gauge, it's more of a square load, and they say square load's pattern better. So, you know, why is a 10-gauge not more popular than a 12? I just think it's diminishing returns, and if it's diminishing returns, at some point, you know, maybe at at an earlier point, it's diminishing returns for ducks, where the 12-gauge is, like, better for a goose, 20-gauge better for a duck. I don't know. That's just kind of my opinion.
1: Yeah. I mean, but the, the thing with 10 gauges, I don't know if you've ever hunted with one or like swung a 10 gauge, but right. the thing with 10 gauges is that they're so big and heavy that like they're not fast to to swing on birds. You know, like sure. they're kind of, they're slow, but, but stable like to swing. Like that's like a, like a trap gun is long, slow, but stable where like a skeet gun is kind of short and twitchy when you go to like swing them. And I think the 20 gauges are a little bit easier to move around for most people than the 10 gauges. And I think that's why 10 gauges kind of came out. And the other reason why I think 10 gauges kind of fell out of fashion, personal opinion, is that we've gotten better with our loadings and like bismuth has become better. And so like, because the loadings have gotten better, it really doesn't get you that much more, you know, like what we could do today with a 12 might be better than what we used to be able to do with a 10. Gotcha. That's just, that's just my opinion.
0: Do you wanna do you wanna to jump to your next overrated item?
1: Underrated. I, I
0: didn't do my first. Underrated. Oh, you didn't get the, you didn't get underrated yeah. yet.
1: So my first underrated item is hearing protection. Everybody knows that we need to protect our hearing when we're duck hunting. Everybody hears it. But how often do you look in a field or look in a blind and there's four guys and none of them are wearing hearing protection? And it's like I think it's a it's a major problem, I think, within like it's not normalized within the community to wear hearing protection. And I think it right. should be better.
0: Right I think it's getting more and more, and maybe that's like one good plus to like we, everyone talks about like commercialization of the industry mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and how some of that is negative it takes away, but like one positive is the you know the push for um hearing protection. I definitely agree with you, and I've been saying it for years, but I still don't do it as well as I should you know mm-hmm. um just be you know it's just it's it's hard in the moment when you don't feel the results of it until you have, you know, one of your buddies just, um, class, ears, yeah. yeah, back to back ears on the same day. Then you're like, what the heck am I doing? But then like the other 95% of the time is nothing. So, but it's like that 1%. I mean, I probably have permanent hearing loss, like a percentage of permanent hearing loss from that day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like 100%. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: I just, I do times think like that the,
0: are a good reminder.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. And like, and I find myself wearing hearing protection more when I'm with a group of guys than when I solo hunt. When I solo hunt, I feel like I almost never wear it, which is a bad thing. I should always wear it. But I do think that hearing protection is an underrated like, asset to have. Like Whether you wear the razors over ears, you wear the tetras or the decibels or whatever, there's a bunch of options. Old foamy 3M1s, I do think you need to be wearing hearing protection.
0: Right. Right. And you know the guys that you need to wear it by, so don't <laughs> let it slip on those days.
1: Yeah, sure. yeah. All
0: right. We'll jump to your, over, wait, is it my overrated now? Uh, I go yep. to your next overrated. Okay. So I'm going to get some hate. I know there's a certain percentage of people I'm going to get some hate from, but I'm going to say it. You know, all these people, but it's, it's Sitka. I feel like Sitka <laughs> is an overrated item. Now, like, I'm not saying that it's not good. All right. I'm just saying that like when you talk to these Sitka guys, it's like, they're wearing like silk pajamas or something. I don't even know. Like they're just like they're just they, they can see no wrong in Sitka. They're like, well, once you wear it, you'll never go back. It's like, well, sure, but it's like it's it's way more expensive than the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And like you know, I wear I wear all of the FA, you know, camo. They got the puffy jacket. They got you know, I mean, they got they got a, a plethora of items. And everyone's like, well, once you wear Sitka, you'll just be warm and this and that and dry. And it's like, well, like a a bunch of companies make stuff that's comparable and not near as expensive. That's kind of my take on it. So, you know, say I'm biased, whatever, (laughs) because I work with FA, right. But, but just from my experience, I'm just saying that I I think it's overrated. I'm not saying it's not great. I'm just saying it's overrated.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm going to get some hate for this because I agree that it's overrated And that's having two Sitka jackets. Like, I mean, I have a, (laughs) what is it? The duck oven. And I don't remember what the rain jacket is I have, but I do have two Sitka jackets. But with that being said, I bought both on very deep discounts. Oh yeah. That's what
0: everybody says too. Oh, well I bought it for like, oh, I got this buddy who's a, ties (laughs) lanyards and gets the (laughs) discounts. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So nobody buys it for, for full price. Yeah. And then there, there's some people who do. But, yeah, I think that just adds into the overratedness of it because you call everybody out on it, and they're like, well, I didn't pay for it. It's like,
1: <laughs> yeah. It, no, I, Everybody I has the overrated. same story. Yeah, I do think it's overrated. It's definitely, it's definitely it's, overrated. And it's the people overrated. that have it drink the Kool-Aid on it, and they have oh, yeah. the jacket, and then they have the undershirt, and then they have the gradient hoodie, and then they have the pants, think, and they have the pants. I think underpants. that's
0: what, what, what rubs some people uh, the wrong way on it because it's like if you have a piece of Sitka, like you have to have all of it. You know, <laughs> so you do have to have the multiple pieces. Um, the next thing you know, they got the waiters, they got everything. So it's just kind of funny. It's like if you wear sick at like, you know, it's not. I'm not really like. I'm just. I'm more poking fun at the, the fact, like you said, they drink the Kool Aid and then they just think it's the greatest thing ever. And yeah. and I think it's it's probably good, but uh, it's probably overrated. Still, it's not as good as what those people think. Is my take on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'd ag- I'd agree with you on that. And like I said, and the people that have it, I'm not saying everybody, but some of the people I've met that do wear the sika and they have the everything and it all matches, they kind of talk down about everything else. Like everything right. else is not right. as good as, and it's like,
0: and I you'll mean, never you know. see a mismatch. They're not gonna yeah. like mismatch with some with some Walmart camo or something yeah. like that. <laughs>
1: exactly, and it's like I don't know. I mean, if you have the means to have all sika stuff, by all means, go for it. Have fun. Knock yourself out. But right. I don't know. It is definitely overrated. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Man, we're going to get so much hate for this one. I'm ready for the inbox to be full of. Uh,
1: <laughs> you know I think agree, about this. I would agree with you like two or three years ago, but I think it's starting to like people are starting to get annoyed about like the sick of fanboys. I think that like generally speaking, I know some people that are starting to get annoyed about it.
0: Sure. Sure.
1: Yeah. So, all right. So, my next overrated thing is not really an item it's actually calling public land managers for information. And everybody says to call them and try to get like water levels, bird numbers, that kind of stuff. And in my experience, you can call them, but you got to kind of take what they say with a grain of salt. I think the best things to hear from public land managers is habitat conditions. I'm like, yes, there's food here. No, there's not. The habitat looks good. The habitat looks bad. But as far as, bird numbers and whether people are shooting birds and stuff like that. A lot of them are duck hunters. A lot of them want to keep their spots secret too. And I found that it's not the most useful thing in the world to do. Hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. That's a good tip I'd say, but if you're not going to call them, then who are you going to call? You know what I mean? Cause it's not like you can, uh, you know, on the same vein, it's not like you can post in like <coughs> Iowa duck hunter without just getting trolled off the, off the, the page by asking questions like that. So it yeah. might be a bad option, but it, it might be your only option.
1: I think the, the the only option is to go get your own boots on the ground. I understand how right. everybody's got time and everything for that, but the best option right. is always to scout it for yourself and not listen to Uncle Buddy Jimmy's shot three birds in this hole the other day. So there's right. birds the, around you there. Know? Your
0: best option is to take one day before your trip as a scout day, even if you get there the evening before. And I, and I always try to do that on mine. Get there. The evening before, and scout, and you know your second best option now was is Onyx has added the recent imagery option, and that thing is so huge for water level. That is huge for a ton of these public land areas. Um, click on it; you can actually scroll back like six months of like week by week imagery. So you can go right now and look all the way at like March, what it looked like at March. Um, so it's like snow on the ground, leaf off. Um. So some of these places that I want to hunt, maybe it's like a swamp in a woods. You can't see anything because it's leaf on with the imagery. But if you scroll back all the way to March, you'll see through the trees. You'll see the water. You'll see like how big it actually is and all that kind of stuff. If you're looking at like uh, a big public land area, you can see what it looked like a week ago. And I wish I would have known this for when I, you know, did my Minnesota trip because the whole time pretty much we were scouting water. Not even birds. We we're just trying to find the water. And we wasted so much time. So much time dead-end going places that we couldn't get through of all these endless canals and sloughs of, um, you know, the backwater that that just was, you know, dead-end and no good information. All we found was, like, no water, no water, no water. Finally, we found a cut into uh, like a decent place with water and barely anybody else found it. If we just would have had on X, man, we would have found that right away Onyx with recent imagery. So mm-hmm. anyways, I'm, I'm getting a little sidetracked, but I I'm, I use that like all the time now.
1: Oh yeah. And since you told me about it, I use it all the time. I didn't even know it was an option in there. I don't know if they just added they just, it. Like, you no, know, yeah.
0: They just added it
1: or what, but I, ever since you told me that it had been added, I, I use it all the time too. And heck we have like, you know, rotor height gauges and I have notes on, know if the river's at certain height at this gauge, I know where I can go. And I still look on Onyx to double check it.
0: Right. Definitely. So
1: so you gonna put the Onyx uh, uh recent imagery as an underrated tool in the toolbox. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Could have. Could have. But uh could've. what was that? Was that your what were we talking my, about?
1: That was my calling land managers for bird numbers and where birds That's is, is an overrated thing.
0: Okay. So I need to X some of mine out. So the next one I got that's underrated is marina wool. If you ever ever hunted with a base layer of marina wool, um, it's awesome. So, uh, yeah, I think that that's an underrated item. I didn't know about marina wool till just like a few years ago, um, and it just has really good properties for um, keeping you warm. So base layer, it soaks moisture, um, it doesn't stink. Mm. Uh, it, uh, it'll still keep you, it, it still has thermal conditions where when it's wet, it'll still keep you warm. So, um, some people don't even know about it. You know, I think that, uh, it's just a great, it's probably the best, um, base layer that you oh, can get,
1: whether it's pants I, or, or, uh, a shirt. I agree. I use, uh, I got into Marina wool a long time ago, Marine, Marina wool, however you say it, a long time ago with socks, with hiking. I mean it was like ten years ago or something like that when I got right, into it. Right. And then I got base layer this, and it's 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 honestly the best.
0: And yeah, yeah, I, I forgot. You know, like socks too. And, and they the thing is you gotta watch out for that. Is some of them like do like marina wool and then you look on it and it's, like fifteen percent you know, or something stupid. So like yeah. definitely check like percentages and get some really high quality marina wool socks and you know, a lot of people get cold feet, so that's uh you know, that's a that's a great kinda um Tip there for for your underrated that it should be in everybody's uh, thought process when you're thinking for warm like base layers.
1: Mm, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Another thing for keeping feet warm, just a little tip is a piece of foam, like a one inch thick piece of foam, just big enough to put your feet on, so they're not sitting on the bottom of the boat or on the ground. You'd be mm. surprised how much warmer that keeps your feet. Keeps like the energy from being sucked through the sole of your boot into the ground. So right. we do that when we're ice fishing. But so my next. Underrated thing, and I, I debated on whether or not it's underrated, but I don't think people like actually talk about it. And it took me a long time to learn about these, and that is Texas rigs. If you do not have your decoys on Texas rigs, you are doing it wrong. I don't care if you're unless you have diver long lines, if your decoys are not on Texas rigs, you're doing it wrong. If you're wrapping cords around the keels, you need to rethink your situation.
0: Don't some people still wrap Texas rigs around keels though? Yeah, which baffles me, but like. Like if you're going to put them in a bag though, like say you have like a nice, I guess you don't even have to, right? Mm -hmm. But you, you still can.
1: Yeah, you still can, but it works out better if you just take them and you tie them close to the bottom by the decoys and then tie them in the top with like the carabiner. Sure. And then put them into a bag or like I use slotted bags, which I know a lot of people don't like using slotted bags, but I just use slotted bags and just set them all inside there with the weight and everything. So. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. I do that with my goose, my goose floaters. Mm-hmm. Flock tad goose floaters and just set the weight in there. Um, yeah, so Texas rig definitely way better than you know any of that bungee. Um, oh
1: yeah, I remember like we use like cord. the bungee ones with like the L shape weight for a right. long time. We also use like the lead that like bends that you like bend it around the keel and like those things all suck. Like if you're not using right. Texas rigs, you're doing something. Right. In my opinion, hey, you're the, doing something wrong.
0: Uh, FA has some really good Texas rigs. They're coated Texas rigs. Um, and they're, like, some of the best in the business. Some some say, like, tangle-free, and they're coated, and then you use them for a while, and they get all, like, bent out of shape, and then they don't flow through the Texas rig right. You throw it out there. Your weight doesn't go to the bottom. Motion, or motion, uh, the FA ones, um, I've been using mine for a year plus, and none of them have a single kink in them, and I have not been easy on them. You know, I have yeah. not babied them is what I'm trying to get at, and they still have held their form. Um, so, yeah, Texas rigs are definitely Definitely yeah. awesome.
1: And the thing I'll add about the FA ones is that the weights are coated, are rubber coated, so they don't like bang around and they're not like beating on your decoys and stuff like that. Because that's one of the things that people don't like about Texas rigs. But yeah, I mean, it took me an uncomfortable amount of time to learn about Texas rigs. I don't know if it's just because no one talked about it or if I just never hunted with someone that used them and definitely need to like put the word out that that's what you need to be using.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right, so I'm just bringing the heat today because this is going to be another hot topic, all right? This is going to be another one that I know there's going to be people who don't like my take here. But this next overrated thing, it's not even a piece of gear. I told you this. I had one that was not a piece of gear. But it is only shooting Drake Mallards. You get the, the purist who only shoot Drake Mallards. Again, we talk about people who are like purposely like handicapping themselves on their hunt to like make it more challenging to like bring the thrill level of the hunt back up. You know, it's just the, the, yeah, there's, if, if someone posts a picture and I just saw this this week, it was in like Wisconsin waterfowlers or something like that. And this guy posted a picture of his hunt and he's super pumped about it. Had a a great day for him out there in the water. And he shot like his group shot, maybe it was like a four man hunt or something. And it was like 35% hens, and, like, one of the first people was like, why so many hens? It was actually multiple people, like, shaming this guy for his hunt and shooting not even their limit of hens, but, like, a p- percent of their limit was hens. Like, 35% of the the hunt, they shot hen mallards. It's like, dude, like, first off, like, you don't know how much this guy's hunted, you don't know, like, maybe this is the only limit he's going to shoot this year, and, or his group. And you're going to tell him that he shouldn't be excited about his limit because he shot hens when, like, maybe he just doesn't have the time or the opportunity or the places. Um, you know, it hunts in the Mississippi Flyway, I'm just going to say, for the most part, it's less likely that you're going to have a chance to pick out green, maybe if you have some private place in Arkansas or if you really got on the X on public land. But it's not like an everyday thing. And, and for some people, maybe you just don't care about shooting your limit and that's fine. Like you only want to shoot drakes. That's fine. But I, I just don't think that, that I think it's overrated to be like, this is the only way to do it, to only shoot drakes. And if you shoot hens, then you're less of a hunter. So, mm-hmm. and not only that, but there's studies that have shown that like shooting the hens as hunters does not affect the mallard population or it's a, it's so small of a, a percentage of effect that it, it doesn't affect it. So mm-hmm. we can, you know, I don't have a study to cite now, but there there's definitely studies out there. If you, if you look it up that, that show that, that, that hunters don't have that large of an effect on the mallard population. They set those limits accordingly, you know, off of the counts every year. So all that to be said that people who are peers and elitist about only shooting drakes, you're overrated.
1: Okay. <laughs> i agree but i agree for those reasons plus t- a couple more so as you know last year i shot my first banded duck it was a wood duck hen wood duck banded first banded duck i ever shot was a banded wood duck hen wood duck this year i shot my first banded mallard, and it was a banded hen mallard everybody else shot the drake that came in two of them came in i was the only one that shot the hen guess who ended up with the band so yep they banned hens too if that's what you're into But I just, I do agree. And like, you have the opportunity, like we had an opportunity last year where we shot a lot of drakes on a couple field hunts where we were able to pick out drakes. But we're also talking about two hunts out of 55 that I went on last year where it was like, hey, you're going to pick out drakes and that's what we're going to do today. Right. But like, I think it's definitely wrong for people to throw shame, throw shade at people for not picking out drakes or like not having the ability to do so. I do agree with that.
0: Right. Right. And it's always like the solo hunter that Mm -hmm. like hunts in the central flyway, like all by himself. It's always that guy that's like the one that's, you know, talking down to like the average Joe hunter that's out here excited that he shot a limit. It's like, well, I pick out drakes on my solo hunts out of the 10,000 ducks I see that day. It's like, no, it's like, it's just, that's not everybody's situation. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. It definitely strikes a chord when I, when I see people. In, in these Facebook groups, you know, doing that. It's like, sure, like if you're in Oklahoma on a guided hunt and like you're seeing tons of mallards in a field and you wanna pick out green, more power to you. I've done it in North Dakota on a hunt this year and I shot a Drake Pintel, uh, what I shoot, four Drake mallards. And then I accidentally, I thought it was a, a a, Drake mallard and it was Drake Spoonie at early light. So, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> um, it happened. But, you know, there's been other times where I picked out green, too. And I, I'm, I'm not going to say that, like, if a flock comes in, I am I am more likely to try to—I do try to pick out the drakes. But I just feel like if you're hunting and you, you don't think you're going to have, like, a good chance of limiting and, like, you want to try to limit, like, you want to have that goal and a flock of four mallards come in and there's four people and you all pick your lane and the guy in the far right has no ducks yet and he shoots a hen, like, there's nothing wrong with him deciding, I want to shoot that hen.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I definitely agree.
0: All
1: right. Simmer my down next, a little bit,
0: Hunter. Simmer down.
1: <laughs> my next overrated thing here.
0: <laughs> You're smiling That's, a lot. I'm making me worried.
1: Well, it's not really like overrated, overrated, but my next overrated thing is J-frame style duck calls. So All right. everybody's got them. I think that like you can do, equally as well with whistles and stuff on a lot of days on public ground. But J frame style duck calls are my next like overrated duck hunting equipment.
0: Don't it tell me you're a mouth people. caller.
1: No, no. But one of the, like I didn't have it on my list for underrated is cut down calls. And I know that they've gotten way more popular in the last couple of years, but it is amazing what you can do with a cut down call and how you can turn birds with them. Mm. But that's just my opinion. Now, with that being said, I have a J frame and a cut down on my lanyard. So
0: Right, I'm not that steeped into the different calls. I like the ones that sound good when you make a quack noise and uh <laughs> and you know I have whistles on there. I have uh a Drake whistle um you know I have other you know other things on my my calls well you know I don't think you know I do think there's days where calling is is pretty important. there's days where it's not so um yeah. I haven't got down to i guess the you know the nitty gritty how you're talking about like the different styles of of calls. You know, I did have oh, what's his name, the the older guy from Louisiana.
1: Yeah, he and, had like the uh, the cane calls.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you know, there is definitely some difference. I do think that sometimes having a call that sounds different from other people can be you know a benefit. Just to you know, you talk about decoy sets or anything else that that uh, sound different or sound or that look different. I think that sounding different can be um, a factor that helps some weird nucks as well. So yeah, sure. And that was your overrated. So we're back to underrated. Overrated. All right, man, we might have to cut this list a little short, but we'll, we'll see. We'll keep on going. I think I got about 10 more minutes where, uh, for those of you that don't know, we're actually recording this over my lunch break today. You know, been, been some busy times trying to get, get in, uh, some content here while we can. But, um, the next one I got is, um, uh, motion in the decoys. So, A big one for me that I've done over the last few years is the Motion Ducks um, jerk rig. You know, jerk rig on steroids. You guys hear hear me talking about it all the time. Um, There's been so many hunts, man, where over the last two years I've really dove into it a lot. You know, I would say when I first started hunting that um, I'd feel, I would say this, you know, that I, I feel naked without like a spinner. You know, it's just from a newbie perspective, you see some mallards lighting in on your spinning wing decoy. Um, And then, you know, if you don't have it or like, let's say it doesn't work, you're like, man, we're not going to shoot nothing today. But like I've got to the point where the no wind days are what scare me more than anything. Um, No wind days and no motion in the decoys and finding a way to get that lifelike motion and get those ripples in the decoys And last year, I mean, I dove off the deep end, just using that like in almost every situation Um, I'd use it. Plus like a handful of decoys that would sit around the ones moving and that'd be my small spread. And I finished more mallards on that setup than pretty much anything else. So uh, for me, an underrated thing is a jerk rig. And if you want to go a step above above that um, is the motion ducks um, system for, I mean, that's your jerk rig on steroids. And I know I just, you know, I want to put a disclaimer here because you guys know I'm partnered with them. I've been partnered with them for a long time, but I would not put my, hmm, what's the right way to play this? Put this, my reputation, my word, I wouldn't put it out there if I really didn't believe that this is such a huge factor that so many hunters overlook. There's just so many hunters that don't bring a jerk rig at all on a no win day, you know, and that's the least likely day to, finished ducks in my opinion and the motion ducks is your best chance to overcome that.
1: I actually, that was my number one thing that was underrated is a jerk string of some sort, whether you use a motion ducks, which is better than a normal jerk string, or you're going to use it just a plain old jerk string. I think that if you don't have a jerk string on your set, nine days out of 10, you're doing, you're doing worse because of it. Like I think that nine days out of 10, having a jerk string in the set will have you shoot and finish more birds. And like, it's astonishing to me how often we go out and you're know, like, where we go, there's a lot of pressure. So you can actually see a lot of people's sets as you drive out of the marshes and stuff like that. How many people aren't using a jerk string? And it's, it's like- it's almost nobody. Yeah. It, it, and it's like the most basic thing. Like at the end of the day, it's a bungee cord, a rope, and some ties to some decoys, right? Like- Right. You, you can go extreme and get the, the tech motion ducks, which I use in motion ducks and I'm not sponsored by them. So I use motion ducks on my own and it works really well, or you can go and get a bungee strap and a rope and connect it to a decoy. But you need to have a jerk string in your sets more days than they're not.
0: Right. And I feel like it's almost like a lazy thing or like, Oh, well, like, cause you'll you shoot them at first light without motion because they can't mm-hmm. see anything. Yep. As soon as it gets daylight, then they can see that spread. They can pick it out. They can see that nothing's moving. They can see that's not a natural look, you know? So you got birds on like, here's the, the, the tricky part is, On windy days, it doesn't matter. So, like, if people aren't connecting the dots, windy days, it doesn't matter. Fresh migration, it doesn't matter as much. Like, on a north wind day or the day after, like, a north wind day or a cold front or whatever, it's not as important. But as soon as you get those birds that are warier, is that a word? More wary? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Then, you know, that's when you have warier birds and no wind day, you put those together together. And they're just going to fly over your circle and you say, oh, one more pass or like, or whatever. Or, or maybe you sky bust them if you're, um, you know, hopefully not, you know, but I'm that. that's what I'm saying. It leaves you with those options opposed to like, hey, you got this jerk rig and you have the wary birds on a no one day and you're going to finish percentage of them that you wouldn't if you didn't have it. So I think it's almost like people say, like, oh, well, today wasn't the day or, oh, today they didn't want anything to do with us and there's nothing we could do about it. It's like, well there is, this is going to increase the number of birds that you finish on those particular days. And you know, it's still good the other days, but it's like, um, a necessity. Like I will not, if, if it says less than like nine miles per hour, I just bring it every day. But like, if it says less than nine, it's, it's, there's no chance, even if I'm going to be like late to setting up in the spot, then I'm going to skip the motion decks. Yeah. Um, just because I've just had too many experiences on those no one days where they're not going to finish.
1: Oh yeah. And like, And I'd even say even on more windy days, I still think that it helps. Like there's, you know, we can talk about like spinners. People talk about not running them on cloudy days, running them on sunny days, blah, 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 blah. But the simple fact is if you have a jerk string in your spread, it's never going to hurt having the jerk even on real windy days, even the decoys creating their own motion. I really do think helps. Like it's just, there's, there's not a situation where they really hurt in my opinion. And they're just underrated. I think that they're like by far sure. the, way the most underrated thing.
0: Yeah. And, and one other thing, you know, I've got caught with this too, even on a windy day, if you're sitting in a cove, like with a bunch of cover and you put your decoys, you put the wind right at your back and the decoys right in front of you. Sometimes that wind isn't going to hit the water. So you still have that no motion even on a windy day. So it's like, you don't always know until you get set up and it's light and you look all of a sudden, or maybe the wind shifts 20 degrees to the right or left of you. And all of a sudden that wind's not hitting the water. If you already have that, motion ducks or jerk rigs set up, you're going to be good to go. Mm -hmm.
1: I I couldn't agree more. The last like underrated thing that I have on my list. That's not jerk string or not a motion ducks is canoes. I think that canoes being used as a mode of transport for gear and people for duck hunting is underrated. A lot of people tend to go to kayaks and it makes no sense to me. I've used kayaks, canoes, all of them. Right. And I still, I think canoe beats a kayak most days. Like, in right most situations,
0: right. I I think I can make a, a list of pros for canoes that would beat out kayaks. Wait, I have <laughs> videos that I have. Um, but and we've talked about it on the podcast before. I think the the kayak things a fad. You know, it's they're probably better for like bass fishing and stuff like that. Um, they're better maybe if you're going to lay out hunt out of a canoe or a kayak. I mean, I guess there maybe not, it depends on the canoe. You can do the same thing, but I think for whatever reason, you know, I think certain kayak blinds have helped that out um, to be a feature where you can, you can lay out hunt out of kayak. Cause most people that lay out hunt out of a canoe or kayak, almost everyone is using the kayak. So there's like the yeah. pros to it where you lose the other battles. It's like, the amount of storage you get, um, the number of people you can take, you can take two people and a dog and all your gear in a, a canoe. And like, I'm a huge fan of the sports piles and Radisons. You've seen those two Hunter. Yep. Uh, I think those are by far and away the best duck hunting, um, non-motor, uh, form of transportation.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. And like, you know, you talked about like the gear stuff and I've spent a lot of time in canoes in my past and put a lot of miles on canoes. You get two guys that are competent in a canoe, you can really take down a lot of a lot of, you know, a lot of distance and not a lot of time and be moving a lot of gear, you know?
0: Oh yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. You just can't do that with kayaks. And the other thing with canoe is, is that you can operate a canoe by yourself, but if you have a buddy come, they don't need to have their own equipment. They can come with you in your canoe. They don't need to have their own kayak. And like, what is it? The Ascend A12, H12s, like some of those kayaks are, they're expensive you know? Sure. Yeah. And you can go on Facebook and get a canoe. I mean, like in my area, a couple hundred bucks, you can go get yourself an aluminum canoe, $20 in spray paint and you can go out hunting, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. A couple hundred bucks. And even with the Radisson sports piles that are more expensive, um, you get the people that don't know what they have exactly. They just look on marketplace, how much our canoe's going for. If you're willing to shop around and be patient and wait, you'll find one. You'll find one for a good price. I've got mine both for, you know, around 300 bucks. Um, which is a good price when they're selling new like thirteen to fifteen hundred depending on the size, so mm-hmm.
1: yep and, and then you get like the square back ones, you can put trolling motor on them if you don't have the ability to definitely yeah. you know, like super versatile super, and I think that they're they're an under for underrated form of transport to get gear people into the water and get people out in the marshes,
0: definitely. Alrighty. Well, it's a pretty good place to go ahead and wrap it up. Thanks for jumping on Hunter and and having some fun, uh, fun talking about the overrated and underrated and, and uh, ruffle some feathers um, and a few forms. I hope
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a little bit, we're
0: going to get people agree with us, people that disagree. Um, but that's fine. All At the end of the day, you know, it's all fun and games. We're just poking fun. We're just saying what our opinions are. Um, everybody, I'm sure you got your own opinions about different things and life experience that that's uh, formed those. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're all hunters. You guys know the mission of the podcast is to entertain you guys, but also, you know, educate, also help bring up new hunters um, and then spread the message of, you know, conservation um, and duck hunting. something that's super important as well. Um, do me a favor, guys. Tell your buddies about the Duck Gun Podcast. Help us have a bigger voice and all those things, and we definitely really appreciate it. That's all I got for today, guys. I'm Jordan, Duck and Chronicles, Hunter from Iowa, and we'll see you guys on the next one.